Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> You're probably same. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we are going to continue to take a look at the madness that is free agency slash trades, where apparently nothing is off the table. Um, I, you know, over this past week, actually, Fox and I reconvened. I think it was Wednesday last week, and it was a crazy week leading into free agency. And this last week has not disappointed with everybody. Everybody's been traded. If you've been, if, if you haven't, if your name, you've been traded. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's felt like we're, we're watching fantasy football unfold this last week. It's really what I feel like. And, and some of these trades, I'm like, I would have been like veto, 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 veto. But as always, I'm joined by my partner here, Mr. Fox. How are you, bud? I'm okay. You know, I got traded, but I didn't pass the physical, so I had to stay. Yeah, I uh, I made sure that you weren't allowed to leave. I uh, I had you traded. I had a good value in return, but um, you know, I'm glad you didn't pass the physical. You went to Vegas to get the physical done. You went to you went to join Devonte Adams and everybody else, and um, you managed to stay on. So we're happy to still have you here. Um, I'm just happy to to still be here because midweek my uh, Ryan Tannehill comparison to one of the Academy Award actresses uh, almost ended the show. Yeah, Josh McDaniels called me and said, I will give you a free case of Starbucks coffee for Matthew Fox. And I was like, you know... I don't know. You know, we'll see. It's it, the, the possibilities are endless, but we're here. We're excited. Um, obviously, I don't think we Deshaun Watson was traded last week. Did we talk? I don't. We yeah. didn't talk about that, right? No, we did. Did we? We talked about it Wednesday. I don't remember. I don't remember when any of these trades. Oh, maybe it, it's just such a long week. Maybe maybe we just talked. I don't think we did. I thought we talked about potential landing spots. I don't even know if we talked about it, but Watson's gone. Matt Ryan was gotten his feels because the Falcons, which I don't hate the deal for the Falcons because I feel like it's if you're going to rebuild with this new team, you got to do it now. Matt Ryan to the Colts, which is interesting. Marcus Mariota signs with the Falcons. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Devontae Adams situation. I think we did talk about that part. And then, of course, we had Tyreek Hill, which – out of left field gets traded to the Dolphins. And and that just comes – that went from zero to 100 real fast um, before we even saw it blink in front of our eyes and before I think anybody else could really invest into that market. And then, of course, you have Robert Woods getting traded to the Titans, which whatever. And then, of course, we still have a couple of open quarterbacks that are in this market that uh, jobs are drying up really fast. So I don't know where to start, but – what are your thoughts? First off, what are your thoughts about all these trades that are going down? 
Well, you know, I think for Watson, it wasn't just the trade, which was pretty big. It was giving him a new five-year contract for $230 million, all of it guaranteed, which resets the market and was a curious move. Almost immediately, a second grand jury investigation was opened, which they also have declined to prosecute. So it looks like he really won't face criminal charges. But it has been... That one's been fascinating because it feels like it's been incredibly polarizing. I've seen a lot of people who were Cleveland Browns fans who um, are giving up on the team after this move. Uh, I don't think it's sat right with a lot of people that that this has come down. Uh, I know there are a few, you know, there's also a section of people that doesn't think, you know, that thinks if he didn't get convicted of a crime, he hasn't done anything wrong. So it's been a very interesting and polarizing thing for a move that I don't know what it's going to be like on the field. Kevin Stefanski has typically been a very run heavy offense. You know, he's had um, Kirk Cousins when he had a couple of good receivers. I mean, he had Diggs and Thielen there. He had, uh, you know, some, some good passing weapons and you've always seen quarterbacks kind of settle into that upper tier quarterback to maybe touch low end quarterback one. That's Deshaun Watson. When I, I think the hope for fantasy players had been seeing him as a potential top five option. I don't know that he is in this offense unless they're going to radically change the scheme, which doesn't seem like is in their plan since they invested in that line and Nick Chubb, they re-upped Dearness Johnson uh, they have Kareem Hunt. Uh, that'll be pretty interesting um, just to kind of see how that shakes out. The Matt Ryan trade was interesting to only a third round pick back 40 and a half million of dead cap. I think Atlanta's basically going to end up writing off uh, kind of a 2022 season and look ahead to when they're, they're free. Probably makes sense for them. Be curious to see if he's better than Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers. It seems like it, once again, they've taken a, a shot trying to fix things. The sneaky thing I've, I've mentioned before about the Colts is they, you know, when Andrew Luck retired, they probably were a quarterback away from competing for a Super Bowl. But I think we've seen their team ebb down a little bit. You know, Pittman, I still like. I love Jonathan Taylor. They have some holes to fill on their offensive line. Um, they have a lot of questions about weapons you know right now it's Pittman and then what Mo Ali Cox you hope Paris Campbell is uh able to catch the ball for the game and a half he's available this season um Neheim Hines maybe lining up in the slot I don't know what you think about that the NFC South continues to be or AFC South continues to be a little bit of a mystery to me you're muted I love the move for the Colts because I think that um, I think Ryan is a step up from Wentz. I think Wentz just I don't blame a hundred percent on Wentz. I've I've talked about this on the show. I've said this once and I've said this a thousand times that I believe that um, that um, Frank Wright is part of the problem here. I do think that he's a lot of the problem, and, and because of that, I think that we're in a rocky situation. But I like the move by the Colts. Um, I also like the move by the Falcons. I agree with you. It's time to rebuild. This 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 franchise is never going to be able to take the next step without rebuilding here. And obviously, like Arthur Smith was just kind of a sitting duck in that transition, I think. Because I, I think with Brady coming back, it 
a wide open division went from a very, you know, closed division, especially since Watson didn't go to the Panthers. You know, that didn't happen. The Saints brought back Winston, which is fine and fine and dandy, but I don't think that's a game-changing move since they have so many other holes to fill on that offense and defense. Um, but you're right. The big thing to look out for for me is is what the Colts do in this draft with wide receivers or what they sign. Could they could they reunite Ryan with Julio? What does that look like? Even if they do, um, I don't hate that move. Um, but they need some severe weapons for Matt Ryan, period. And they needed to make some moves in this draft. They got a pretty good O line. They have a franchise changing running back that. In this league, the way we are, he might be out of the league in three years. You know what I mean? That's just the way this this NFL works with these running backs. He might not be he might not be the same Jonathan Taylor he is in three years. So you need to take advantage of that window. The defense is solid. I, I just the division's winnable. It's a hundred percent winnable. Um, I, I understand the Robert Woods trade to the Titans as a good pickup. Austin Hooper being signed, it's a good pickup. But at the end of the day, you have Ryan Tannehill. And I understand apparently his mom, his brother, and his dad are on social media yelling at me. But the, at the end of the day, I just see this. The, you're talking about a, a, a Colts team that was 9-8. and eight. They could have won the division um, relatively easily, in my opinion. I understand the Titans finished three games up, but the Titans aren't going to be 12-5 and five next year. It's not going to happen. Their schedule's too hard. They play a first-place first place schedule next year, and they have a rough schedule ahead of them. Um, but this is going to be a 9-10 win division, and I think the Colts will be in that mix 100%. But I, I, I don't hate the trade for Mariota either, or the signing of Mariota for the Falcons. It sees what they have in Mariota. I still think they could easily bring in a – they'll probably draft a quarterback. Maybe they don't have the necessity of drafting one in round one. I've seen a lot of different takes. Um in the near future, I'm going to dissect some of these quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class. I'll hear right here on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour and where I like. There's a couple of guys I really like in this draft. There's a lot of guys with upside, a lot of high upside players in this draft, a lot of high upside, but also, you know, guys that it's a boom or bust. There's a lot of boom or bust in this draft. There's can be guys that have high upside, but that, that downside looks terrifying. But, um, Another thing that I think that's interesting is is what the Dolphins did to acquire Tyreek Kill. Um, I love the move for the Dolphins, 100%. I know they paid him a lot of money, and I know people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Look, you got to make moves in the NFL, especially over this last week. I mean, when you're it, it, this is the big difference to me. When you're watching teams within your conference get better and better and better, the Raiders went out and made a splashy move. Like, you know, the Broncos went out and made a splashy move. You know, you're making moves in order to try to get better. You're talking about one division that might might be solely responsible for four playoff spots, right? You know what I mean? You've got to make moves. A bit. And you look at Buffalo. Buffalo's gotten better this offseason. They still need to figure out the running back situation, I think. But Buffalo has gotten better this offseason with some big key moves. The thing is, is when you look around you and these teams are getting better and better and people, I think, forget. I understand we have a coaching change that's that's a bit cautiously optimistic here, but we're looking at a Dolphins team that's one year removed from being nine and eight. I think the X factor obviously is going to be Tua's development. I've never been a big Tua guy, but I mean, we're surrounding Tua with with weapons, you know what I mean? Jalen Waddell and, and Tyree Kill on the field at the same time is downright scary. It's a scary offense. Um, I do think it – and I don't think that it necessarily hinders 
Fantasy value, I do think it, it's going to take a peg back for Tyreek. I think Tyreek may take a step back stat-wise, obviously. But you're talking about a team last year that, you know, had, you know, some some viable weapons that made some plays. But outside of Waddle, you have Waddle, Gasecki, and Tyreek. I mean, you're talking about Devontae Parker, in my opinion, is a very, a very good receiver, no longer having to be the one. I love it. Well, let's see. Miami will be interesting. Um, I I would knock Hill back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Probably. I, I don't know. We, we really have to see um, what Tua can do. I think the question is, right now, you have two guys to finish as wide receiver ones last year, plus a tight end that was pretty close to the tight end one range. I don't think that they can keep three pass catchers in that level. I also, you know, Cedric Wilson signed there. I know some people were excited about that, maybe him getting a shot at a bigger role. I think that's kind of dead in the water now. There are rumors they might try to trade Devontae Parker. That could help Wilson a little bit. But if Wilson and Parker are both there, you know, low-end wide receiver three, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, uh, because I think what ends up happening is you probably have Waddle as a low-end wide receiver one and Hill drop to a high-end wide receiver two. Um, you know, we saw even in Kansas City with, when he was alongside Kelsey and some of the other players and some of the things that they were doing, he was kind of a boomer bus guy. The other thing I'm thinking about is you're talking about an offense that is going to look very similar to what San Francisco did. And they've been loading up on running backs. They got Mostert, they got Chase Edmonds, they got Miles Gaskin. You may say none of those guys are impressive on their own, but as a collective group, if you think about that San Francisco style of offense, the question is going to be whether it's Hill or Waddle that ends up being the receiver that does some of those trick plays or some of those rushing rushing work plays. If it ends up being Hill, you know that could boost his value up. We saw that work pretty well. Debo Samuel had a good receiving year, but he was also a killer on the ground, which has really vaulted his value up. You know, is one of those receivers going to get that work? There are a lot of weapons, and now you're right; they've set two up. Uh, pretty well to succeed. I think they still, you know, they've been working on building that offensive line too. Um, That's all great. I have seen some people that said the pressure is going to be on him because if you remember, they signed Teddy Bridgewater behind him, which I thought was an interesting signing considering there was a lot of talk about Bridgewater. You know, he had a career year last year. He wasn't terrible. Um, He's probably not got the ceiling of a lot of players, but he seemed like a guy who was tracking toward getting one of these kind of open shots at being a starter. And he elected to go to Miami. I think that puts a lot of pressure on Tua to perform or else, you know, what's, you know, what's going to happen if he gets off to a slow start. Um, You know, we know his former coach was probably the agitator that was trying to look at upgrading over him. Um, so I still liked who I liked him coming out of college. I hope he gets, you know, gets his shot to succeed. I think they've been a decent team. They should be in the play, be in the playoff hunt, but that AFC East is now getting surprisingly, uh, competitive. It's interesting. The Jets were, were in trying to make that move. 
Uh, they brought back Mr. Elite, Joe Flacco. Uh, I loved that Zach Wilson uh, called him like his grandpa or our dad or something <laughs> on social media after they signed him, which was funny. But, you know, with Elijah Moore there coming on, uh, they still have Corey Davis, who's been an apt possession receiver. They went and got CJ Uzama to give them kind of a weapon at tight end. I love what they have in Michael Carter. I think they're a team with all of their draft picks that could potentially snag one of these other wide receivers to mix into the mix. Buffalo is still doing some big things, you know, they've made improvements on defense. And then you have new England who I've been kind of surprised by their off season seemed like the one thing that they for sure had to do was get a wide receiver and they have consistently not done it. Does that mean they're, they're going to take one in the draft. Um, you know, that wide receiver class now is really going to get tested. I think in the first round we could end up seeing a lot go because Green Bay still obviously has a massive opening. I would not say that signing MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster means that the Chiefs are done <laughs> adding weapons. Um, you know, maybe the Titans come out of the mix because they went and got Robert Woods. But there are a lot of teams, I think, on that backside. Tampa Bay, I wouldn't be surprised if they get one. Um, it's going to be kind of interesting to see where all these things fall. And I'm, I know you referenced Atlanta. I actually think Atlanta will not take a quarterback in this draft. I think they're going to punt and look to go in 2023. I'm wondering if Houston does the same thing. And that, to me, I've noticed a lot of the revised mock drafts now for NFL drafts have one, maybe two quarterbacks in the first round. I actually think there could, uh, outside of Carolina, which seems like they've committed that they don't want to go get one of these veterans and they're going to look to the draft. I'm not sure any of these teams feel a pressure to take a quarterback in the first round, which means you could see a lot of second and third round guys. Kind of reminds me of that Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke draft class where quarterbacks, you know, other than Kyler Murray, who was obviously a clear number one, those quarterbacks all kind of slid around and it was more like value picks and and where your franchise fell in love with somebody. And that's what we're going to see. I wouldn't be surprised if Malik Willis goes up early, maybe to Carolina, because they have no plan whatsoever. Um, so that would be the perfect pick, picking a development player to go alongside to be developed with Sam Darnold. Um, that would be the ultimate Carolina move. But what do you think about uh, – obviously, Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are both sitting out there available for trade. I'm having trouble figuring out where I think they could potentially land. Yeah, the the door is shut on a lot of places. You know what I mean? You know, the AFC East all have quarterbacks. The West obviously loaded for quarterbacks. The North, the Pittsburgh signed Trubisky. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't think they go down that route. Um, the South does. I, I, you know, Houston seems set going with with Davis Mills. In fact, is, Houston told teams when they wanted to trade for Watson, they wouldn't take a quarterback back. I know Baker's a few people exactly. have been like, why did they take Baker? They didn't want to get a quarterback. So either they're thinking about drafting or they're taking a development project. Well, that too. And I think the thing with them is, is, is it decreases some of the other assets they could have acquired in that trade. I think, you know what I mean? Like they, they got a lot and a lot, a lot for him. I mean, they, and, I, and we noticed today that it, or yesterday it was an added, there's an added fourth round pick that the Texans did receive. So they got three ones, two fours and a three 
And that's a lot of picks. So the, the Texans are set up, whether it's the back half of the draft or not, it's still a first round pick. It's still five years that you've got control of a player that you're drafting. So the Texans have all of the right tools and pieces in order to move forward. So then, of course, we move over to the NFC. I mean, Dallas is set. Philadelphia, I don't think they make a move. Washington obviously made the move for Wentz. Uh, the interesting thing there is for Washington, would they have made that move for Wentz had they known Baker was available? Like, that's an interesting thing that I thought of right off the bat because, I mean, it, apples and oranges. Do the Giants bring in a quarterback to compete with Jones? I don't see that happening. And and when I talk about these teams, none of these teams really show up for Jimmy G. I'm more thinking Baker Mayfield. Like there's no starting jobs really available left. So does Jimmy G return to the 49ers? Do they let him stay around and and, and start? Do they they concede the fact that that uh, you know maybe Lance isn't ready, so they they have the trigger ready? It's very interesting to watch this entire thing unfold because there's no jobs left for these guys. So. Baker could go somewhere and sign as a backup for a year. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of different places where he could potentially go um, with a door opening up in the near future. But I, the only I, one that they've rumored for Baker that I could possibly see is Seattle. Although Seattle seems like they actually want to roll with Drew Locke, which is interesting. And, you know, they, they're another team that could take a development. But if Jimmy stays in San Francisco, which almost feels like the most likely thing right now, what happens there? You know, we had, when we did our dynasty consensus ranks, there was enough people that were high on Trey Lance that he actually pulled up into our top 10. I wasn't one of them. I, I'm not sold that he's ready or will be good. But, you know, that could be even we make jokes about the Jordan Love situation, but San Francisco traded three years worth of ones and moved up to get a guy. If he's not, if he doesn't start for you for at least two years, that's a curious trade. Yeah, I, you know what I mean. Like it, it's it's definitely one of those things that I'm just not. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with it because. We've seen some musical chairs that we did not expect to see unfold over this last week. You know what I mean? Whether it's quarterback, wide receiver, these trades are not ever made in the NFL. They're not. Like this is a once in a once a year type of thing where we see a big moving piece like this. Over this last week, we've seen some of the best players at their positions moving to other teams. And it's it's been crazy. So I do agree with you that 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 it is a little washed up, and it'll be interesting to see what happens because I, I don't. It's interesting to think that a week ago today, had the Steelers known stuff was going to play out the way it did, would they have signed Trubisky as fast as they did? Had the Colts or, or had the you know Colts known what was going to go on, would they have made a move a little bit faster? Like, there's so many different dynamics here. Obviously, we're speaking about coulda, shoulda, wouldas here. But it's interesting to see if we would have known this was going to play out the way it did, would teams have, have been a little bit more patient than jumping the gun? Uh, Mariota looks like he's he really made out of this entire situation because he weighed it, and, of course, the job opened with him and Arthur Smith. So that, to me, is is – And Jameis Winston, who gets $28 million over Yeah, exactly. Winston's another one, too, that kind of – which I thought, unless Watson went there, that was always going to be the option – 
but it's just still interesting to watch unfold. So with that being said, I will let you kick off. We had our consensus yeah. rankings for the wide receiver position. I'll let you touch the wide receiver and then I'll do the tight end and we'll kind of discuss both of them. Yep. So wide receiver and this published last Friday, tight ends will publish uh, this Friday. You may have already read it. We didn't have time with all the madness to touch on it on Wednesday, but number one in our consensus rank came out to be Justin Jefferson. Uh, We had a tie at number two uh, was Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb, both guys having uh, good opportunities to be number ones in passing offenses this year. Number four, Debo Samuel. Number five, Cooper Cup. I'll be curious to get uh, your feelings on whether you would drop him a little. This These votes came in pre-Allen Robinson signing. Um, but number six, A.J. Brown. Seven, Devontae Adams. Uh, number eight, and this is, again, before all this trade madness happened, uh, is when we were putting these votes together, is Tyreek Hill. Um, so that's another one that'll be interesting to see. And then we had a tie at nine uh, with Jalen Waddle and Deontay Johnson. So you've seen a lot of the guys in this top 10, which we did a couple of weeks ago, have seen their fortunes change at wide receiver, which would be interesting for me. I probably would drop Hill out now. Um I am pretty neutral on the Adams move. I still think he's going to get a lot of volume. I don't, I'm not that worried about Allen Robinson opposite Cooper cup because I, you know, we've seen an OBJ we've seen Robert Woods. If they would have kept Woods and signed to OBJ and they had Allen Robinson and Cooper cup, I might've been worried about a little bit of volume, but I think they're, they're settling back down. Even if they sign OBJ, he's probably not ready at the beginning of the year. Uh, love what Chase, Jefferson, and Lamb are doing. Debo Samuel, I think uh, one of the questions was about passing, but he's shown himself so ingratiated in the rushing game. He had eight rushing touchdowns last year. I think he can preserve his his value. Johnson, um, you know, the Mitch Trubisky move doesn't bother me terribly because he's probably still the best, you know, receiver there. Juju's gone. Um, I think Claypool is wildly inconsistent. Waddle and Hill, though, could eat into each other's value. It probably would drop for me. I would drop Hill out of my um, top 10. He was barely in it for me. Some people were a little higher than me. Uh, But how do you feel about those receivers, Ricky? Yeah, so for me, I had Adams number one. I still think that he's going to be consistent enough. I just think that he's that good. I mean, we're talking double-digit touchdowns, 1,200 yards, 1,300 yards. And for me, I think Adams' value after this past week only went through up through the roof. I was much higher on Hill than everybody – than I see a lot of people. I had him ranked fourth. He would move down my list drastically. He'd still probably be on the cusp of 10, but I think Waddle will move from my 10 to probably the 15 to 20 range um, just because I don't think that I can see him producing – could they both see a thousand yards? Probably, it's it's likely. Um, but I, I could see Waddle getting that eight to a thousand yard mark and still repeating. I think Waddle basically repeats the numbers almost that he had this year, and that to me is just not justifiable in a top ten. Um, I, I don't think it is. Um, I think a lot of pe- a lot of more people are higher on Chase than I am. I, I I need to. It's not that I don't like Chase. I love Chase. I just need to see more of Chase. I need Chase to follow it up like Jefferson. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Did. You know what I mean? Jefferson followed up his season with another great season. So uh, I'm huge on 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 Debo. Um, I, I have him third overall. I, I like the dual threat capability. I don't think that changes at all. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is back there. He's still going to eat no matter what's going to go on. And I agree with you. I think Cooper. I think Allen Robinson raises Cooper Cup stock a little bit because Allen Robinson. I think people forget how good Allen Robinson actually really is because he's been stuck in the hells of quarterbacks over the last couple of years. I like Allen Robinson. I, I think that he's going to be probably a solid, um, you know, ride receiver too. You know what I mean? I think he could, I don't know if he's going to be consistent enough to weekly, but I think he's an easy, you know, four or five for 50 weekly type of guy that's going to really, and then it can surprise you from here and there. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not as big on AJ Brown as everybody else is. I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I don't. He's in my top ten, but for me, I, I like the consensus top ten. A lot of the guys that I have are in this list. Um, the, the one guy that didn't make the list was Stefan Diggs, which I'm a big Stefan Diggs guy. I think that he's he's somebody, in my opinion, that should be in that top ten. Um, but I could see why maybe some people left him off. I think maybe if we redid this list now, I think he maybe he'd be in that twelve range. I think just because I think that he is that good, and with Waddle shifting the way Waddle shifting. Adams, I think, should be higher, but it's overall it's a solid list. It's a solid list that I think you could really go off of because Lamb and Chase, I like Lamb a lot. I think Lamb is incredible. Um, and honestly, like, who else are they going to throw to the ball to in Dallas? So, but yeah, so if there was one guy that isn't in here that you would bump in, uh, who would it be for you? Obviously, it definitely would be Diggs. Um, I'm a big, like I said, I'm a big Diggs guy, but outside of Diggs, um, probably Keenan Allen. Um, yeah, I like Keenan Allen. I think that he doesn't get enough credit. Um, he did have an, another incredible year. Um, you know, it, he's just consistent. Um, I'd like to see his touchdowns go up a little bit more. Obviously, he's on the back half of his career as well. That's another thing that we can look at. But we, we can say that, but we're talking about a guy that's got 100-plus catches in you know five or six seasons. And one of those seasons, he had 97 catches, so it's not like he was a slouch. 1,000 in every single one of them, except for one. He was eight yards short. You know, six-plus touchdowns in every year since then. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit lighter on Mike Williams. I, I don't love him. Um, and maybe if it wasn't for the injury, I think Godwin would be another guy that I think would I would like to see in that yeah. top two. The injury scares me. Um, that and like they always have so much competition. So there's two two of the guys that, that I was thinking. You know, Diggs and Allen are guys that I have appreciated, but Godwin is one that you know I think he's top ten talent, but you don't always know the situation. And this year in particular, with where he tore his ACL. The one that I I've always wanted to see be able to vault up is Terry McLaren. I, yeah. I love his talent, his situation. Just they're not He's a like Alan robust. Robinson. 
well, like Alan Robbins. <laughs> yeah, and I thought last year when he was going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick that maybe we'd finally get to see, you know, Fitzpatrick, a guy that's more vertical. I'll be curious. You know, Carson Wentz wasn't terrible for Michael Pittman, and I think Terry McLaren's a better receiver, but it just – Yeah, I mean, Michael Pittman had – had 88 for 102, you know, 10,000 or for 1,082 yards and six touchdowns. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and to be honest with you, Michael Pittman was also the really only other weapon that offense had that wasn't in the, from the backfield. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if you look at the separation from Pittman to Pascal, you go from 1,082 yards to 384 yards. You know what I mean? Like, that's a massive difference. When your second, your third leading receiver is Jonathan Taylor, you know what I mean? That's, that's something to look at. I think that um, I agree with you. Uh, I, I agree with you 100% there. I think Pittman's another Jonathan guy. That Taylor could, might be their wide receiver too this year. <laughs> he, he might be. I don't. I don't. I, I think Pittman's another guy that I like a lot. That's not on. He's not top ten. He's not top. I'm not gonna say he's ever top ten, but I do think that he doesn't get enough credit in the fantasy circles just because obviously he's the only weapon. But I think Ryan. I think they're gonna bring somebody in. They're gonna have to bring somebody in there. But um, the one that probably took the biggest hit lately is DK Metcalf because I think he had consensus top ten talent, but his situation right now has really, really gone down. Yeah, it's a perfect segue here for some realization for this position, which I think is it's just as pitiful as it can be as it is every year. There's it's very top heavy. Intrigued by these results, and that's the tight end position. Uh, the consensus top 10 looked like this. We had Pitts, Kyle Pitts at number one, Mark Andrews two, Hawkinson at three, Kittle at four, uh, Kelsey five, Waller six, Goddard seven, Pat Fairmuth eight, Dawson Knox nine, and Dalton, Schultz, Dalton Schultz at um, at number 10. And One of us can't spell, and it's <laughs> Oh, it's definitely me too. I, I screwed up. I just I thought it was funny. It said Dallas Schultz, so it's possible because him and him and uh, CD Lamb are the only guys that are going to catch balls all year. I mean, I'll tell you what: if Schultz stays healthy, he's going to have an incredible season. Like I just, it's yeah. it's, it's it's possible that he can. Um, overall, he looks like old school Jason Witten last year, which maybe is what they like. Overall, solid season, solid top to bottom. Um, for me, I'm not as high on Hawkinson as everybody else is. Which I don't really hate Hawkinson. Um, I I love Mark Andrews. I'm a big Mark Andrews guy. Kelsey to me, I was happy I had him slotted at my number two spot, but I feel like he's even higher uh, than number two spot. I feel like he is at two spot. I mean, we're looking probably two or three more years out of him. So if we're drafting right now, if I get two or three years out of out of out of uh, Travis Kelsey with um, him getting fed a lot more touchdowns, I think that him and uh, he'll counterbalance each other a lot. Maybe he sees a lot more double teams, and maybe that opens up some other the other players, or maybe they draft the guy that's super fast that gets them open. But Kelsey's going to eat regardless. But uh, solid top ten. Fairmuth is a guy that I really love. I love some Fairmuth, so I think he's one guy that I would definitely be targeting in drafts if I, if I've got the opportunity to, because he's he's got a massive upside in an offense that I mean maybe Trubisky it is what it is, but I love Fairmuth. He catches touchdowns. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, I was the only one. You know, Kyle Pitts got three first place votes. I was the only one that didn't give him a first place vote. He was actually tight end three for me, not because I don't like the talent, but his situation is trash. Uh, last year, he only got a single touchdown. Uh, if he wasn't as good as he is, he probably wouldn't have gotten sixty eight. 
receptions and over a thousand yards, but they have probably worse receivers currently at the at the current moment. You know, could they spend their top ten pick on a wide receiver? Could they spend other picks on wide receivers? They certainly could. We know Calvin Ridley's not walking through that door right now. Wide receiver one is Olamide Zacchaeus, and their probably number two is Frank Darby. If I'm a defense, I have 27 guys covering Kyle Pitts because he's the only one that, you know, they don't have this incredibly powerful running game. They have the uh, the wishbone option of Cordero Patterson, Mike Davis, and Damian Williams back there. So I don't know what Atlanta is doing on offense. I don't think their offense is going to be great. Maybe garbage time helps Kyle Pitts. Uh, I just think Atlanta could be – three or four years away from relevance because they're going to have, they haven't, we haven't seen them bottom out yet in terms of salary cap and everything else. And then, you know, how long does Kyle Pitts get held back? That would be sort of my trepidation about TJ Hawkinson too, except for Jared Goff, whatever we may think of him is a little bit better uh, of a quarterback than what Atlanta has currently. And their offense is a little more up-tempo for me, it was Mark Andrews was my first place vote. I, I love what he's doing. I think he is going to continue to be a big powerhouse in the passing game for the Ravens. The Ravens are trying to pass more. Lamar did actually pass more um, in the time that he was in there. Huntley did as well. I, I like the talent. I like Kelsey's talent. Um, I had him a little bit further back because I think he's getting older and we saw a little bit more boom bust because of the way teams have adjusted to playing Kansas City and that offense. And I also wonder if Kelsey ends up getting hurt a little bit by the fact, you know, MVS maybe takes the top off the defense, but he doesn't scare people the same way Tyreek Hill did. Other than that, I don't know. You know, I like Juju Smith-Schuster, but I feel like he's more of a possession receiver. So who is stretching out the defense and, and what they don't have that kind of power running game that keeps the defense off, off honest either. Um, so those are questions. Darren Waller is another guy I've loved the talent, but they have loaded up on weapons recently. So I think that that's going to cut into his volume. Signing Adams probably hurt his volume more than a guy like Hunter Renfro. Uh, but, you know, I would agree with you the tight end position is interesting, except for I think we have a deeper pool of guys. I wouldn't be sad if they were my tight end than we have in years past. It felt like even as recently as last year, if you didn't get Kelsey or Kittle or Andrews, you were probably screwed. This year it feels like there's any of the guys in this top 10, if they were my tight end, I'd feel pretty good rolling with. And the way you could have built dynasty over the last few years, I have two or three of these guys on a couple of my teams and it makes me feel really good. Plus you throw in guys like, you know, I was a big Albert O fan as a Denver. And now it appears like he's going to have a chance to be tight end one in that offense. You know, so those futures have matured uh, a guy like Cole Komet, if the bears can pass better, does he end up getting more opportunities? The one that I think probably takes the biggest hit in the tight end group for me was Noah Fant. I used to have him as a as a top 10 option. 
I really dropped him out based on situation. I have no idea what they're doing. He was a guy that got a few votes, uh, you know, from some of our panelists, but he's one that that I dropped out. The other one that I'm watching is Dawson Knox. I like the way that he matured up, and if he continues on that trajectory, I think he's solidly in the top ten. But he's the one for me in this group that has the most volatility to really disappoint. Uh, they did sign OJ Howard. I'm not big on OJ Howard, but he exists and you know, they have so many weapons and options. If you look at Knox, a lot of what kept him up in a high scoring range was, was touchdowns. And if he doesn't get those goal line looks, that's a, that's what separates him from some of the other guys in this group, which also had receptions and yards and some big plays. Yeah. OJ Howard signing kind of scares me a little bit. I I don't think we've seen, the, the potential out of OJ Howard that I think is there. Um, but also he could just be a steaming pile of crap. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's either way. Um, I, I don't disagree with you. I think there's a solid 15 tight ends that you can really kind of look at this off season that you're, you're not wrong. It's really just either you're drafting a tight end early or you're drafting two later that you hope that you start the right week. You know what I mean? Like that to me is what, you know, what we're shooting for here. Um, all right. With that being said, folks, thank you guys so much for listening to the, um, you know, the fantasy football portion of the show. We're going to tr- slowly transition into the movie corner here, where we talk about some movies that we recently watched, maybe some TV shows, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, this weekend slate not as uh, not as busy um, as as prior weeks have been. Um, it is definitely Oscar season. Uh, the it's Oscar like all the streaming services forgot to release a movie this week because last week every streaming service had an original film, and this week yeah. none of them do. Yeah, so we have a couple of uh, – we obviously have The Lost City dropping in theaters, which I saw. I really enjoyed it. Um, it it's it's not a great movie by any means, but it's a fun, fun little movie. Um, Infinite Storm came out this weekend. I really liked it. I think it's a pretty solid movie. Um, it released in limited theaters, and I think it's out on VOD as well. Um, if for any reason you're looking to try to catch up on any of the best picture movies heading or any of the Oscar movies heading into um, this weekend, uh, you can watch Belfast. So you can see either for rent or purchase. Coda is on uh, Hallmark. I mean, on Apple TV Plus. Don't Look Up is exclusively on Netflix. Drive My Car is on HBO's, HBO Max as well as you can purchase or rent it. Dune is available on HBO Max as well as rent or purchase. King Richard is available on HBO Max as well as for rent or purchase. Um, Liquor's Pizza is available for rent or purchase. Nightmare Alley is available on Hulu, HBO Max, or for rent or purchase. Power Dog is exclusively on Netflix. And West Side Story is available on HBO Max, Disney Plus, or for rent or uh, purchase as well. Um, So you got the Oscars kicking off this weekend. We had a few movies that hit the banana meter last week. Make sure to check out the bananameter.com for all of those details. But we had X, Cheaper by the Dozen, and Deep Water hit the banana meter last weekend. And um, I call Deep Water a study of snails. Yes, it's a beautiful film. Um, but my one that I think people should check out is Windfall. It's mm. not going to be for everybody. It's it's definitely not going to be for everybody. It's it definitely a slow burn. I really enjoyed it just because it was different and unique from what we're used to seeing, I think, or what we've been really seeing lately. 
Um, I quite liked it a lot. I quite liked the cast. Jason Sigal, Jesse Plemons, and Lily Collins. They they have a great little dynamic there. So if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Check it out there. Um, what about you, Fox? What you got? Yeah, I enjoyed Windfall as well. I thought it had a very um, strong Coen Brothers vibe. I loved the score that they put in it and a lot of the shots, uh, the way they used their location um, was really good. I think HBO Max uh, has has had a quietly strong week the last couple of weeks uh, with their original programming. They released a adaptation of a DC property called DMZ, which is a four-hour miniseries starring Rosario Dawson and Benjamin Bratt. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit it's set in an alternate timeline where a second civil war has broken out and new york city is a demilitarized zone um, that kind of has its own government and things going on rosario dawson is a nurse who sneaks back in there to try to find uh, her son i thought that was really compelling they also released an original series minx um, which is set in the 70s about uh, trying to make a woman's magazine with some male centerfolds if you don't want to see penises that's not the show for you because the first episode probably has well 30 or 40 different different penises i'm not prepared for that but i love jake johnson and ophelia lovabond um the two leads i, I think that they have a, a great chemistry they're very funny two episodes released last week two episodes are out again this week i've seen all four um really enjoying that but i'll be curious so i know you're doing live show on sunday night but who are you picking for best picture all right so real quick real quick minx is really good i've really enjoyed it um i've actually seen episode five and six um and it's really good it's really 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 good it's gotten even better i think each episode gets better jake johnson is incredible in this and i think that as he has a moment in episode five or six that's really like damn that was good like damn he's a good actor um i actually have the rest of the series to watch and i'm i'm kind of excited to dive into that because and we have a uh, new writer on the site who's doing weekly yes. recaps if you want to catch up yes. I, I recommend yeah. you want to check that out yeah tina she's jumped on board she's doing weekly recaps of that and of the dropout which i'm waiting to watch the dropout until it's completely done just because i don't I don't love watching shows weekly. It, it annoys me. So, um, Amanda Seyfried's accent in that, uh, well, potentially accurate, was too much for me. With that being said, I am. Um, we did a big show last night, Kenzie, and I did a big final prediction show of all 23 categories. Make sure to check that out here on the YouTube channel. You can check it on the Music City Drive In. We do have a big announcement coming very soon about the Music City Drive-In uh, podcast, but we'll deal with that on a different day. But um, I have Power of the Dog winning Best Picture. Um, I do. I have Power of the Dog really having a strong night. I think that um, Coda's best chance at winning any Oscar is going to be Troy Kotzer. Um I'm not predicting it anymore. Um, I think Coda's going to go 0 for 3, but I'm going to leave my personal preference of Coda uh, and comments about Coda to myself. It's, it is a very heartwarming film. It's an okay film. It's not a well-made film. It's not a best picture film. It, compared to previous year, best picture film, sure you want to say, but it's not, to me, best picture means it's well-made. It's got a great story. It's got all of the things that factor into that. And if we're going to talk about that type of thing, in my opinion, King Richard is the movie that should reign supreme. If you're talking about a complete package of a film, 
Um, I still think King Richard should win best, best picture of the films that are nominated just because it has every aspect of a film that I love. Um, it's not the best movie I saw last year, but it's well acted. It's got incredible editing. I love the screenplay um, and it's got um, a great score and, and it's an incredible story about two of the most powerful women in sports. Um, I, I love King Richard. Uh, I, I really do. I think it's an incredible film that's not getting, getting nearly enough credit as it probably should, but I have Power of the Dog winning. I don't hate it winning. Um, it's Power of the Dog was not my cup of tea. I didn't love it, but it's technically well-made. And um, yeah, I think, I think Dune will probably walk away with the most Oscars with, with uh, um, for the night, and they'd probably all be below the line. They'll probably win production design, score, sound, stuff like that. But I do think Power of the Dog is going to pick up a few more than people are 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 giving it credit for this weekend. So it'll be interesting. We're going to be doing a live show. I'm intrigued by it. Um, they're presenting eight of the awards pre-show, which could really really dictate the show ahead of time. It could be a little bit of a surprise in some factors because. If certain categories go a certain way leading up to the show, uh, the live show, it could be really, we could either A, oh, this is going to be a very boring night, or holy shit, everything's going crazy. Because I think right now the, the most competitive conversation is surrounding the best actress. And I think all five actresses have an opportunity to win on Sunday. And it's been a very long time. We have that predominant of a category that is that wide open. And I'm excited for it. But outside of that, a lot of these categories are cut and dry, especially the big ones. Directors already, the directors already sewn up. Supporting actress is sewn up. Um, supporting actors between two people, in my opinion. Maybe Kosar is at that 75, 80% lock. Best actors locked. Will Smith's winning, hands down, which I'm excited to see because Will Smith getting that Oscar is cool in itself. But, uh, I'm excited for the Oscars. I really am. Um, I'm ready for the season to be over so that we can move on to season next season. Um, I'm one of those crazy people. I'm already looking ahead. I'm already waiting for Babylon to be nominated for 12 Oscars just because, you know, Damien Chazelle's back, baby, let's go. But it feels like because of the delays and stuff last year, the Oscars has been almost a year long process. Well, that's, that's, I think that's why it's been people, almost eight months. I mean, it's it's. I think that's why people are getting a little burned out. September is whenever you fully kick into gear, and and we're in March. It's crazy. I uh, I liked most all of the the films that were nominated uh, for Best Picture. I know you have your qualms with one of them, and it's definitely. I think if that wins, script which it has in some places, um, there's going to be a healthy debate about some of those issues because it's not even just the primary issue that bothers you. The casual racism is really hard to overlook in uh, the licorice pizza script. I, I actually have gone the other way and don't think it's going to win anything, um, you know, maybe because of that. I f almost feel about King Richard the same way you feel about Coda, which is <laughs> ironic. Like, I think it's fine. Um, I didn't love it as much as some other people. On the flip side, you know, maybe it's the fan in me, but I finished uh, my picks because we have to get them over to Jacob. Um, 
I am going all in on Coda winning Best Picture. The universe owes it to me. Um, I'm I just don't see it happening. I, I, it doesn't have any. Except for that's won some of these guild awards, and those are the people that vote. Yeah, but the problem is, at the end of the day, it has to be on that preferential ballot, and and I don't think that it's it's going to be on enough people's ballot in order for it to win. How they do the preferential ballot is is definitely different and definitely unique from any other process. And for it to win Best Picture, and it not even it didn't even get a song nomination, which was incredibly surprising. Um, I don't even. There's no. Uh, it's, best, it's best music, though. Wouldn't be considered original songs. Yeah, there's so, the original song. There is an original song in the movie that didn't get nominated. That one song is an original song. Um, so original. It was surprised me the original song didn't get nominated. I honestly wouldn't have nominated it in any other below the line category because it's not. That's just and that's just my opinion. I don't think it's that well made of a movie. I think if that movie gets dropped on Netflix on a Friday, then people will be like, oh, that's a cool movie, and we move on with our lives. It does have a lot of momentum. I'm hope I, I am happy. I think Troy Kotsar, if he does win, it'll be inspirational. It'll probably be the best speech of the night. Um, it'll probably have everybody in tears and stuff like that. I'm also looking forward to Will Smith's speech because I think that's another speech that could be very, very um very, very good. Um, but Oscars, they, they've done worse things to us. We could hear Jesse Plemons win for Best Supporting Actor. I, I don't even know. Like it's, it's crazier things have happened, and I'm excited for the Oscars because after Sunday, that means the Oscars are over. So that's also fun for me. So um, I'm tired of talking about some of these movies. And what killed me the most, I think, with the supporting category is I don't like any of the performances. I don't think any of them are Oscar-worthy. So, you know, supporting actor... Oh. No, supporting actor, hell no. Like, I don't think there's a single, there's not a single performance in the supporting actor category I would have nominated myself. And that's the reason why I think that I have the biggest to tear away from some of these categories because uh, lead actor, I really enjoyed a lot of those performances except for Javier Bardem, which is a joke that he's even in that category. Um, Bradley Cooper, 100% should have been there. Um, yes. Supporting actor, I mean, you had so many different people that really should have been in that category. I mean, top to bottom, Coleman Domingo for Zola. You had Jason Isaacs from Mass in supporting actress. In supporting actress, Ariana DeBose is going to win the Oscar, but Anjanou Ella should easily win that. Um, Honestly, don't watch the Best Picture nominees if you have plenty of time. Go fucking find Mass this week. It's coming out on um, Hulu tomorrow, I think it is. Oh, well, and I mean, so. you can rent by. It's been very cheap to get. Uh, the, the rollout for that movie was depressing because it should have been. It should have had four, potentially four actors, at least three. And writing, it should have been in Best Picture. It's very depressing. Absolutely. That's why the North American Film Critic Association is the best out there. And I just checked. It is tomorrow that you can watch um, Mass on Hulu. So watch it. But with that being said, I am um, I am out of here. Follow Matthew Fox on Twitter at Nighthawk7734. Follow myself at Rekeebler underscore. Make sure to check out the Music City Drive-In for all the latest articles, reviews, all that good stuff, and we will talk to you guys next week. Hey, the broadcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.